I mean, like, I'm nervous, and I hope we find the robot, but I'm kind of excited. I haven't been to a punk show in a long time. Wait, so did somebody text you? Is that what happened? Uh, yeah, I got a text from our friend Jim that works. You know Jim. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. Uh, Barbacks at Launchpad, and That's he right. texted me, and he was like, I think your podcast robot is at this show. Well, he said a giant stoned robot, which I thought... So does it mean the robot's high or made out of rocks? Right, and he said both. <laughs> what? Which I didn't even know the robot could get high. We could have not been excluding it from our session. I know, I, I feel guess. bad. I, yeah, it was kind of messed up. Uh, our bad. I mean, Castatron needs to pitch and I'm gonna smoke yeah, every time, but okay. we'll figure that out. Well, let's get let's get in this venue. I think they're gonna let us in. I uh, I uh, Sam. You see him? Oh, shit. He's right in the middle of the mosh pit. Is that safe? Yeah, it is. I mean, I guess he's made out of rocks. Is he holding a joint? Holy shit. Do you want to light it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Let's light that shit. There's a lighter. I guess I, I guess I also lit his uh, his subject fuse and I lit the joint for him. Uh, so he he spat out a subject. Let's see what we're gonna learn about this week. What could it be? What could it be? Oh, CBGB. That makes sense. Hmm. It's actually must be on his mind. Her mind? I can't decide. I, their mind. Their mind. Simzer. Omfug is on the other side. Interesting. <laughs> is Omfug a? Uh, a, a gender? <laughs> that sounds like one of those uh, it's alternate it's genders it's that you secret, hear about. It's yeah. a secret naughty word. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's make sure we get through this show with the Castatron intact. And when we get back to the studio, we're going to, I guess, figure out uh, how this robot has been getting high secretly, I guess. You know, I thought our stash looked a little low. Yeah, it seemed pretty low. What we'll have to do is add another hose to the hookah, and we can all sit together and... Uh, Enjoy Billy Bong Thornton. That's right. Today, Friday, October 7th, 2022, CBGB's The History of Displacement, or This is the Problem with Everything, episode 226. Holla! The fuck's happening? We're here. We did it. We made it. Hicks. Not dead yet, bitches. Yeah, I can't believe we're still here. We're still kicking. We're still alive. We're still doing this thing. Uh, yeah, so today's pod is about famed punk rock pad named Country Bluegrass. <laughs> what is it? Country Bluegrass. Country uh, Bluegrass and Blues. Blues, yeah. Is it CBGB's or CBGB? It's like uh, we got Joe's Place slash Carraro's here. And right. Some people call it Joe Carraro's, which is not right. Uh, I can tell you in one moment. I think it's just it's just CBGB. Okay. But it gets called CBGBs. Sure. Yeah. 
because uh, nobody knows the man's name Hilly Crystal. Hilly Crystal in Manhattan, Hilly Land. Uh, I, do I still that, do with that what you will. I can't believe that's this dude's real name, as you'll hear me say about fifteen times in this episode. <laughs> Hilly Crystal, come on. Should I see if it's was his name really Hilly Crystal? I don't know. I don't want the illusion to. I don't want to. Uh, to quote uh, a great CBGB band, Guns N' Roses, I don't want to lose my illusion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you'll be happy to know that it is short for Hillel. Hillel. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's, uh, he's one of those. <laughs> from the Middle East. One of them. The, uh, one of them's from out of he is. From one of those, uh, one of those from that region. Uh, my name's Loki Sapfoot. I'm not usually that uh, xenophobic. Uh, I do this podcast every week. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Instagram, tpwe.pod. Uh, we do this uh, through Anchor. You can find it anchor.fm slash the problem with everything or just subscribe on whatever uh, goddamned app you're using to listen to it. That's right. All those apps are damned by gods. Yeah. Um, listen to Knive. That's my musical project with friend of the show, Michelle Belmont. Spelt G N Y V E. Put it in your Google machine. Put it in your YouTube machine. Put it in your face. Put it in your Spotify or your Title or your fucking Amazon Music or your, your iTunes. Your ear orifices. Yeah, all that shit. Uh, what's your name? Earfaces. Uh, your name's Earfaces? That's not it. It's Holiday Rob. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can check me out every week on twitch.tv slash Holiday Rob. Also, Holiday Rob on Patreon, TikTok not holiday rob on twitter that's not me uh clearly definitely says. not it says uh, it right there in the title yeah every week uh rob's not playing i do a, a stream try and do it for two hours at least if not more try and do more here and there i did one earlier today this morning i had a baby on my lap while i did it it was wild nice get Look. the baby right up there for some good blood and guts and gore indoctrination oh, yeah. early on they love it you know my earliest memory is watching children walk into a meat grinder in pink floyd's the wall so I turned out fine. <laughs> Perfectly fine. Um, I don't know how things are going to go for CBGB, but, or CBGBs. I don't know if they'll be fine, but I guess you'll have to listen to the podcast to find out. Ooh, a cliffhanger. Yeah. Find yeah. out next. Uh, before we get into that, you want to get ripped? Ripped from the headlines. Um, I got one this week. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, let me, let me find my phone. Where is your phone? Well, well you're, well, you're uh, checking your phone. Uh, funny enough, um, local punks allegedly set fire to a neo-Nazi metal band's truck while playing an invite-only show in East L.A. Hot damn. Uh, Rise of the Black Sun was reportedly held in East L.A. featuring band members with anti-Semitic shirts and band names like Blue-Eyed Devils. Um... They received multiple reports of a fire truck that incurred in front of the venue and uh, unincorporate, um, allegedly started by anti-Nazi local punks. So uh, that's pretty cool. Down with that. Down yeah, with that. I'm into that shit. I'm into burning down Nazis' vans. Yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not welcome. Sorry. Nazi yeah. lives don't matter. It's true. <laughs> that's a fact. All right, I got one. This is from uh, Advocate advocatedaily.com canada's legal wire service 
The headline is 50 Cent Deserves Justice for Penis Enhancement Claims. <laughs> I heard about this. So just a bit, 50 Cent is suing a Miami doctor for penis enhancement claims. <laughs> Um, in a lawsuit filed uh, on September 16th, Jackson claims he was horrified to find that a picture he posed for in 2020 with what he thought was a fan was being used by the owner of the clinic to advertise its services, including penis enlargement surgery. Uh, the clinic's owner claimed that he was a client and had undergone penis enhancement at her Perfection Plastic Surgery and Med Spa Clinic in Miami. <laughs> So he's suing them. He's, Ain't nothing wrong with my dick. <laughs> and you can't say otherwise to sell your penis surgeries. Yeah. It's and always been a solid 4.5. Nah, I bet. I bet 50 cents packing. He's got. How else are you that bad of a rapper and have that much confidence? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> He's got 50 cent of a wiener. <laughs> yeah. Or is it a 50 cent wiener? I think um, he's got a 50 grand worth of wiener despite his name one of these officers is accused of having a sexual relationship with sandra birchmore when she was 15 who who? with what so in massachusetts uh three police officers allegedly had inappropriate relations with a young woman who somehow amazingly interestingly died of suicide Hmm. Hmm. they were the only ones who knew about this until her death and then it came out that she was pregnant and uh then she ends up dying by suicide. A girl who had joined kind of like a, it's like a local police. I, I can't think of what it's called. You know, like a junior officers type thing. Yeah, yeah. Nazi youth. Yeah. <laughs> Brown shirts, yes, uh-huh. I get <laughs> the you. Hitler youth, yeah, yeah Hitler right. Youth. Um, yeah, uh, Birchmore was part of a program from 2010 when she was 13 through 2016. And uh, one of them began a some kind of inappropriate relationship with her and uh now she just happened to be dead after getting pregnant Hmm. i have a similar story Hmm. uh i believe this happened in la but i could be wrong i don't have it in front of me i should i should have put this in my list and i could have the article yeah but it happens to fit in with this story uh houston tipper is the guy's name he was a cop and he was investigating four other cops for rape yeah and during a training exercise, Houston Tipper was beaten to death by other cops, one of which was one of the ones he was investigating. So I, I vaguely remember hearing something about this. So that's pretty shitty. Uh, but I, that name, Houston Tipper, what's with these names? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Crazy names everywhere I go. Uh, lastly, uh, to leave on an up note, although I don't know how up it really is, uh, that guy, uh, let's go. Brandon pardons, uh, marijuana offenses calling for a view of the federal law. Fuck. Yeah. So the president, uh, anyone who was arrested by the feds is yeah. going to get, what's it, the logistics of that? Though? Uh, I, I mean, they can't like just let simple possession versus like trafficking or something right, like right, that. Right. So. And a lot of people, or maybe it's trafficking with. versus possession. I can't remember which one it is. Cause but. they'll fuck you with like intent to distribute. If you have like Too a much. sandwich bag in your trunk or, you know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> so a lot of people are probably still going to get screwed, yeah. but it's progress. It's, it's good. Going in a direction that's not backwards yes thankfully to some degree and of course uh what's what's the chud angle on this lawlessness chaos in the oh, streets yeah. murder and um what was it brown like? brown faced criminals murder and running th- rampant murder and theft is uh, next on the list for pardons yeah 
why would that <laughs> okay. okay well La- lawlessness and disorder yeah i was in the bowery i didn't feel safe at all i don't feel safe anywhere i don't feel safe with myself man i'm loco all right let's get into the uh the punk rock the history meat. the meat of the episode we'll see you in a minute Okay, all right. I'm going to take you to a place. <clears throat> take me there, Daddy. Okay, so imagine you're out on in this area. There's a giant body of water that you don't really, like, maybe have stories about, but you're kind of surrounded by rivers converging here and there. And this uh, land, um, this land you call Manhattan, uh, which is the Lenape word for hilly island, so is, they actually retain its original name, Manhattan. I mean, almost to some degree, yeah. Okay. Um, you're finding fruits, nuts, uh, birds, and animals, fish, and shellfish are what you mainly live off of. Uh, there's seals and whales and dolphins, and um, and so then one day you meet a group of people, <laughs> and uh, they trade you some stuff where they're thinking like, oh, we just bought, purchased this land and. You're also thinking like, uh, uh, well, okay, yeah, this is a good faith gesture and like we're going to hang out and share the land, you know. And uh, it doesn't it doesn't really go that way uh, eventually. I feel like I've heard this story before. <laughs> eventually you get pushed further uh, westward. Pretty sure there's a Dave Matthews song about this. <laughs> you end up having to move to places that aren't, you know, familiar to you or your own. Um but in that time, uh, a wall is constructed by the Dutch. Build uh, the wall. And uh, her emails, yes. Gets knocked down later on. It's to keep indigenous and British people out. Okay. This <laughs> Interesting. Is a, this, is a, this is the 1600s. So and, the Dutch uh, built a wall around Manhattan to keep the British and the Indians out? So even even more fun? When, when it's knocked <laughs> That's da- wild. When it's, when it's knocked down, guess what the street is called? Uh, I don't know. What? Wall Street. Oh, shit, son. <laughs> Holy shit. You just blew my mind three minutes into this thing. <laughs> so uh, the Lenape, as they were called, or the, themselves the people, ended up being nationally, uh, you know, governmentally recognized as a Delaware tribe. Um, but what does this all have to do? Well, there was a couple different pathways. Uh, one of them uh, were they, where they were like foot basically running north to south uh, foot tra- foot trails that were used by the Lenape and one of them became Broadway the street Broadway and the other one became known as the Bowery wild and so, so those the, streets are that fucking old they were already streets yeah holy shit dude and then the Bowery uh, was the Dutch word for farms so in the you know, in the port area towards the south of Manhattan. Manhattan's kind of built like, uh, I don't know what it looks like. Like, it's go with a hoagie, maybe half a hoagie. Like the top part gets cut sure. off, but the bottom, you know, kind of has a rounded off edge. And um, so the Bowery kind of runs on that on that cut hoagie uh, towards the. <laughs> this is hard to describe as in a map because these all different areas of lower manhattan uh, i find it really hard like when i'm reading and they describe 
locations, oh. I can I just kind of like glaze over it. Yeah, I, they give. I don't like. They give all these streets intersections where the Bowery was, and I was just like, I can't. That doesn't. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I think I'm half bad at visualizing or something because whenever they like, it was like a battle in a fantasy book or something like that, and yeah. they're describing like the geography. I got nothing usually. Sometimes <laughs> if depend, but anyway. Three rivers forked, and then two with forest, and one with grass. And yeah, like, I I, okay. it, I need there to be a map in the front of the book yeah. that I can just put my hand on so I can keep flipping back and forth to see where they are when I'm reading. Kind of orient yourself. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, it, it rests in the lower the lower uh, right of the of the hoagie if you're looking at the rounded edge down in the cut part at the top. It's, <laughs> a cut, it's a cut in half hoagie, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm doing a bad, I'm doing a terrible job explaining this but uh, i'm picturing i'm getting hungry actually i know it sounds delicious um this history is delicious uh so yeah it was an old history antiquated dutch word meaning uh farm farmland bowery bowery and uh at the time it became a place um it was mostly open to immigrants freedmen ex-slaves and uh eventually the last governor of new amsterdam spent his retirement there before the English took over and it became New York. So it was called New Amsterdam before it became New York. Yeah. Okay. I think I knew that maybe. Cause the Dutch were, uh, the, you know, the ones there. Um, so, it, it, you know, you forward, you fast forward like what, 340 years later. And, uh, there's a gentleman who has spent some time in the, in the, uh, uh, restaurant industry as well as uh you know running like bars and lounges and nightclubs and uh decides he wants to open up a spot he's like yeah you know maybe i want to maybe i want to get in on having a place for where me and my friends can uh go and uh hang out and um I had that once. Remember when we had the agency? Dude, that place was so rad. That shit ruled. We only had it for a year. But it was pretty sweet. That's where Batwings for Lab Rats started. We would practice there, and there would be people walking in front of the windows. They would stop and watch for a song. That was, I think that was the best part was that it was downtown on the weekend. You had, it was like a home base. Home toilet, bro. (laughs) That was crucial. You're at the bar and all of a sudden you got something brewing in your bowels and you got just walk half a block and you got a place all to yourself. Yeah. That was awesome. This gentleman ends up opening a, a place called Hillies on the Bowery in 1969. Um, I'm not exactly sure what kind of music it catered to, but it ended up shutting down in 1972 uh, because there was an idea to relaunch it. And the relaunch of that is uh, CBGB's. 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 What does that mean? Uh, Why don't you tell me? You you, you nailed it. (laughs) Yeah, this is is the only thing I learned about this subject. Uh, (laughs) This and I listened to like half a Blondie album earlier while I was smoking pot in your backyard. Amazing. Uh, it stands album. for country. I can't say it, bro. It stands for <laughs> country bluegrass and blues. CBGB. Yeah, and then on that uh, banner it says Omfug. Yeah, when did they added that later or what? Is that? <laughs> it seemed just 
I, I never quite nailed that down, whether it was up there later or just like right right off the bat. Because this guy had an interesting way of I th- marketing. Well, I, I lied. I also read Wikipedia for like five minutes yeah. uh, yesterday. Um, and on Wikipedia, it said that, uh, like, I think like at first that he intended like country and bluegrass and blues and yeah, it was when like, it, the scene wasn't quite that. That's probably, I'm guessing, when they added the omfug because it wasn't quite what he envisioned, right? No, he knew he knew um, people who played music. He had a lot of friends who were musicians, and I think he was trying to kind of cater to that idea. When was this? Did you say what? Uh, Sixty-nine was when he tried to do okay. it the first time at three fifteen Bowery. I, I that's I don't know if that's a street. I can't remember, but uh, <laughs> that's the worst. Is I've been there and I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds like what I read today, maybe. And uh, so he reopened it in 1973. Uh, that kind of uh, makes sense, like at that time, because it was like a time of flux. So, so like, this guy's name is Hilly Crystal, for those who don't know. Which is, uh, is that, that's, that, that can't be a real name. So f- many names these days. I'm like, that can't be. As far as I know, that's a... Uh, I, I didn't find anything that said it was an alias of any kind. Like one of the ladies that started, uh, like Mothers for Freedom or whatever it is, yeah. the the ones that are upset about CRT in the schools. <laughs> uh, one of her, her name is Tiffany Justice. Oh jeez! No like way. how is that? It's not real. It's like Anthony Weiner is the, like, <laughs> the guy that shows his wiener to everybody <laughs> and gets ousted from politics. Why would you? Like, how is your name? Why would you ever? participate in that that just I don't seems think like you, a trap to walk into it's like a rake you saw i feel like he's not really in control not to defend his actions but <laughs> i feel like he doesn't so much choose to show his dick to teenagers while his baby is in the background of the photo you know what i mean like it's not like <laughs> i mean he does make that choice again i'm not letting him off the hook but i feel like it's more of a compulsion than right a, like, yeah <laughs> deliberate <laughs> I just, like, I just gotta show it off. I just oh, I gotta. I Here just gotta is. do it. Here it is, everybody. And his name just happens to be Weenie. <laughs> this guy's name is Hilly Crystal. Hilly Crystal. But it's spelled like Crystal, right? K R I S T A L. Yeah. Wild. Um. So yeah, nineteen seventy-three. He opens up, trying to get in a different kind of crowd. There was this one place called the Mercer Art Center, which was hosting quite a bit of, like, I think the independent, heavier rock scene type stuff, and it ended up collapsing. Like, phys- <laughs> like the building like physically collapsed? the building collapsed. just fell apart, yeah. Um, I had read something, I wish I could remember it, but I had read something about that overall, what was kind of happening, which was infrastructure not being taken care of, and there wasn't reinvestment in buildings and neighborhoods. At yeah, this point, from what I understand, seventies New York, it was like pretty shithole. Pretty, pretty dilapidated. Yeah. But this area, especially, was somewhat uh, prone to dilapidation. Now uh, we're gonna we're gonna travel back in time again. This is like a Tarantino flick, bouncing all over the place. Um, let's see. It's it's about one point one point two five miles. The uh, Bowery, as it's called, uh, it is a very big thoroughfare. This, sorry, is this a street or a district, or kind of both? It's kind of both. Okay. It's a it's a street, and it's it, it was it was initially a street that led to places that it was named after, and then it became a 
street proper and a district. Okay. Kind of in the same. It's kind of in the evolution of it. It's given me like Bourbon Street. Like it was like the French Quarter, and then Bourbon Street is a street, but it's also kind of like in this French. The whole six streets might as well be Bourbon Street because it's this thoroughfare is pretty large. It's like the. I don't. I don't know if it's. I would call it the Champs Elysees of uh, New York City. <laughs> but it's. It's got that kind of. Um, it, it's for New York. It feels very big because everything feels real. Uh, real claustrophobic. Vertical. Yeah. In. It's like a Spider-Man movie. There. <laughs> it's crazy. In New York City. Um, so the Bowery was the. Uh, the, the meeting point of the five points, the okay. five points riot uh, during the Civil War with the tied in with the gangs in New York whole thing. The Bowery Boys were from there. They were nativist uh, okay. types. So people have been brawling in this area for a while. It's, places. it's definitely been a place that was open to like the, you know, uh, kind of the underclass of New York uh, City. Um Washington stopped there at this place called Bull's Head Tavern in 1783 uh, to meet the British off to be like, see y'all later. Yeah, I've heard tell of this. Yeah. So this was all in the same area. Um, <clears throat> it was, it was kind of growing uh, in the early 1800s. Like it had been definitely like a heavy place for like immigrant activity. Um, and then it kind of takes this dive. But in the 1890s, uh, big for sex workers prostitution quote-unquote uh gay bars sailors tattoos down and out men um really kind of all the way into the 1950s like i I, it was hard to get an idea of where it was at during the war in the 1960s um so it was hard to kind of grasp you know what what it was but in my mind it was like that forever like all the way up to like the 80s and 90s like, I mean, I don't really know. I've never been there, yeah. but just like cultural imprint wise, you know, when I think of like Manhattan, like, you know, South, I don't know. Yeah. That's, I, I think of all that shit, all the whores and the um, sailors and the, what is it? The, the, the warriors. Yeah. 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 You know, warriors. Or can like, uh, you dig it? Uh, Freddy flash. No, fantastic. Oh my God. And the fantastic five. No. Uh, what? You know, don't push me because oh, I'm close uh, to the edge. Jesus, your brain fungus has infected me. I can't fab, think of... Fab Five, fab fab Freddy. five Freddy and the Furious Five. <laughs> and the Furious Five. Uh, nine, Is that right? That yeah. doesn't seem right. Nothing seems right today. I'm getting Mandela affected. <laughs> I was trying to remember Animal from the Muppets earlier, and yeah. it's just like, I got nothing. Like, is that his name? It doesn't seem right, but it was. Anyway. <laughs> you need the little trademark symbol to let you know <laughs> yeah. that you're in the right. Uh, 1920s and 1930s became impoverished, so it became a little bit poorer from the even even. I, I mean, it, I think it's just compared to places that it was near, which it was. Pre- it's pretty closely, you know, like uh, uh, all these kind of n- somewhat nicer areas. I but think th- there's water down there, right? Yeah, it's well, in the it's, south area. It it gets close, yeah, to the water. It's not quite all the way down there. 
Um, but I mean, that doesn't makes, run all the way down there. I that don't, makes don't sense. Believe. Like where the docks are is where the action is, right? Well, and that's, yeah, that was a thing going back to like the sailors and, and, right. and so it became like big with hotels and then the hotels kind of turned into like tenement housing. It's where the booze and the drugs and the what you know, whatnot, the vice is uh, trading hands. And so from 1940 to 1970, the Bowery was basically called uh, Skid Row. There were Bowery, Bowery bums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it became a place where displaced men ended up living and spending their days drinking, working, and I'm getting living like, and dying. Uh, what is it, Whitechapel, uh, Jack the Ripper vibes? I know that wasn't New York, but I'm getting those vibes. <laughs> I mean, that's like pre. I, think I know, I know, it's not the same time, century. but it, I don't know. But I'm getting those vibes of the area, just like an area of uh, social decay. Yeah, exactly. And, and why why bother even saying all this though? But like, I think what's fun about it is that like this uh, little venue didn't just exist in a vacuum. Like it was kind of part of the filth. It was it was post this thing that had happened, which was you know the Greenwich Village uh, kind of Soho. Uh, um, 60s folk you know revamping artist bohemian whatever yeah. uh, thing that went on which is why it's kind of hard to see where the bowery play you know fits all into this i think it just became it just continued to be a refuge for like people that were falling out or trying to climb into society um, yeah art lives there too though so that makes sense yeah I mean. um but you don't hear the kind of poverty addressed. Like when you think of 1950s media, especially like movies, it's all this like kind of happy-go-lucky fabulousness. And when right. you see a movie like... Uh, all that baby boomer shit. <laughs> yeah. All that uh, Pleasantville fucking... And there's a documentary about the Bowery that shows all the men who like... It's not a... It's not a... It's a like a narrative documentary. Um, it's documenting actual people and things, but not but there's some narrative um, bent to it. Um, but it's just really getting a, a window in, you know, these men who are like dying in the streets of like cirrhosis and stuff, liver damage and or whatever else, probably exposure to. I feel like that's kind of happening on my block these days. <laughs> like you see people just like lying on the sidewalk. It's just like, should I stop? Like, I, I guess not. No one else is. Should I say something? Do something? Does he need help? Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> big um, bummer. Big, big bad bummer. But, yeah, you have this going on. And then in the late 60s, uh, you have this guy who's trying to run a venue. Another venue collapses. And it begins the rise of... The freak's got to go somewhere. You know, we wouldn't have the the Ramones. Like, they were a band from Boston who, like, played 70 shows in 1974 at CBGB's. In, in one 70 year. shows at one venue? <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Red light cameras don't even play that much at the launch pad, you know? <laughs> that's, more than, that's more than a show a week. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Their first set there was 12 minutes. Uh, they blasted through, like, I don't know, a handful of songs in 12 minutes. No, you can play, like, 15 punk songs in 12 minutes. <laughs> and uh, But people thought they were kind of a joke, I guess. Like, it was a prank. They were, were they not? I thought... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I kind of thought that too. Like. <laughs> but uh, 
uh, as as we'll hear, uh, I don't, I don't, at some point, I don't know when. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really fit my sounds into my narr- narrative uh, mm. so much. In fact, I really just gave us a jumping off point to continue. But like the the idea that uh, uh, punk rock was a thing right out the gate was, you know, a lot of them trying to deal with the label while acknowledging the kind of influence that, you know, that they had, which was stripping all the excess out of rock and roll because it had become very uh, uh, arena-oriented with, like, The Led Zeppelins and the Pink Floyds. And and the the Kiss and all that stuff. Like, uh, you know, just this big arena rock sound with show and flash and everything solos that went on for ever 10 you know 10 minute long leather pants david lee roth squealing like a girl (laughs) and uh they decided to strip all that out and try and revamp rock and roll into its most basic devamp if you will base form uh as much as they could and uh yeah. So you well, to the point where I feel like it's a faux pas to know how to play a guitar and be in an early punk band, kind of, right? <laughs> like, if you know, like, more than four chords, you're kind of an asshole. <laughs> so that's the impression I get. I don't know. Uh, you're, um, uh, yeah, real, like a friggin' prima, prima donna? Not right. A prima donna, but like, a, yeah. A try hard. Really, trying, really trying too hard there. But uh, yeah, so they they played there. Let's. Um, I want to do a little a little name dropping if we can, or if we can't, whatever we don't have. To I bet we drop, can. But I bet, I bet we could do pretty good. Let's see. Where I drop these, stuff all the time. Where are these names at? I have a million of them. Uh, drop deuces. <clears throat> drop albums. The Cramps, Misfits, The Stooges, Talking Heads, Patti Smith, The Ramones, Elvis Costello, The Police, The Damned. Agnostic Front, Beastie Boys, Pearl Jam, Corn, Guns N' Roses, Green Day, White Stripes. I like a lot of these bands, man. <laughs> and including a Some band called bands. the Angel and Snake, which later became Blondie. What? So uh, Angel and Snake. These are all bands that have uh, played at CBGB. See, if they had kept the name Angel and Snake, like in an alternate universe, yeah, they would have had the same problem. Where, like, obviously everyone would have called her Angel, right? (laughs) But then they would have been, which one's Snake? Or the, oh, is everyone else the Snake? Yeah, everyone else is the Snake. Because everyone calls Debbie Harry Blondie. Blondie. (laughs) Which is an easy mistake. I mean, it's fine. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's a, you know, that's just, that's just a short list of the band, (laughs) the most well-known throughout their respective, you know, decades. Uh, um, but like by the time Corn was playing there, it was it the same thing? Was it still? <clears throat> I mean, it's I, having been there. It was always basically it was still tiny. I guess basically right? the, basically the size of Bert's first yeah. first Tiki Lounge, original Tiki Lounge, whatever. Right. Whatever used to be the Dingo Bar. No, that wasn't the Dingo Bar. I don't know. That was before my time. It was also before my time, but I somehow new stuff once upon a time i don't know uh, i try not to know stuff 
if I'm going to know something, it's for this podcast. And I, it's like taking a test, you know, I just immediately forget it as soon as the episode's over. <laughs> so Hillary Crystal was not interested in punk rock. Hillary Clinton? <laughs> Hillary Crystal. Billy Hilly Crystal? Hilly, Billy Crystal. Oh, Hilly, Hilly Crystal? Hilly Crystal was not interested in uh, punk rock necessarily. You know, like I said, That's he, what was, I was saying. Yeah. he was trying to, he was trying to play, uh, make a place for his, you know, homies and stuff like that but yeah they wanted to play banjos and harmonicas and but there was spillover from the loss of another venue and uh and so yeah two rules uh you have to move your own gear and uh, no covers which doesn't mean that nobody ever did a cover it was just meant that no like, cover songs or no, no cover at the door no cover songs okay no, in fact, most of the bands, I don't even know if they necessarily got paid in the beginning because they were just trying to keep their operation costs going. So no covers, meaning no all cover sets, no cover bands? No, no cover bands, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you could throw a cover in if you wanted to cover well, Bob Dylan if you or thought whatever. You, real if quick. you thought you could get it away with it, yeah, probably. Okay. Because part of the reason... Uh, or maybe the main reason was everything was running on like this interesting thin, um, like this razor thin, just getting by. Like once uh, rent prices started going up, what's that like? Which especially, which I know, right? Which I don't is, think anyone in this utopic is that a word? Utopian day and age is uh, knows anything about that. Which I think started happening in the 80s and then really took off in the 90s, especially in, in Manhattan, New York City proper. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Just it's, It just seems like the most wild of times because they were trying to get by with making so little money, so bands didn't get paid. And uh, So why did they do it? So they could sell merch? They could sell merch. Uh, they could kind of... Exposure because it became famous... It wasn't even like that uh, because it 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 sounds like it it sounds like it operates at like any venue here operates at which is like yeah the, all of this is sounding familiar. <laughs> the, there are big shows, but like the uh, what who was I forget oh the police when the police played there uh, they played to basically half an empty bar. So you know. hey, we did that too. We're just like the police, <laughs> yeah, bro. We are like the police, the band, not the <laughs> institution, not the, not the pigs. Uh, that was another problem as to why prices began to rise in the 1990s. Gentrification. Uh, the end. Yeah. Is there anything like this at all on the, the Isle of Manhattan? Or is it all just like fancy shit now? Mm, I, don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, it lo- some of it looks so well lived in and almost dilapidated that you have to assume that like uh, some, some money has gone into it like to hear it from other people from new york who have like grown up there you know a lot of people say that it's not the same that it was that's what i hear yeah. and i don't yeah so i don't i don't know personally but when i was there i definitely got some vibes of like you know uh there's still like a heavy immigrant population uh just like in la um they're seems to be a lot of like rooted New York places. Um, I couldn't tell you if I met any people necessarily that were like rooted New York. Didn't really meet a lot of people on that trip, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, they always disappoint you. People. You don't need them. <laughs> Who needs them? The worst. 
So to quote Patti Smith, who uh, played there on the la- on the day they closed, as well as like very early on. I read that today too. She played their last show in what was it, twenty sixteen? Was it earlier than that? Twenty oh six, twenty oh eight, two thousand and six. Okay, yeah, sorry. I knew there it's was o- a six. October fifteenth, which is actually you know uh, kind of crazy that we're doing this on October seventh. Oh shit. Um, it's it's a bugafug omfug week. <laughs> one, one, one week away from uh, from the closing down of uh, CBGB's when I was anniversary. Kid, I thought omfug stood for like oh my fucking god or something like that. I thought it was like some, kind of what it seems like some naughty talk, subversive. You know? Yeah, they got away with saying an f word. It's like the let's go Brandon of its time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, cool. <laughs> so edgy now we say it to each other <laughs> but and apparently it wasn't even that it was other music what was it other music for uplifted uplifting uh grandizers grand grandizers i'm sorry i keep saying grandizers grandizers omfug other music for uplifted grandizers no uplifting uplifting so, yeah the okay. grandizers the voracious music eaters yeah consumers consumers yeah, they want some uplifting other of uplifting so uh <laughs> yeah that's so cbgb's an omfog means uh so patty smith uh, is quoted as saying there was no real venue in 1973 for people like us we didn't fit into the cabarets or the folk clubs which if you know about 19, you know, like, uh, the sixties era of, of, of surrounding area eras, areas, it was kind of the rebirth of like urban folk movement with like Bob Dylan, Peter, Paul and Mary, right. uh, uh, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. Just the, the list is, Oh, did, are they the ones that wrote that disturbed song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only good disturbed song. Their first song is cool. The ooh ah. I mean, that's classic. How can you? Anyway, I don't know. I guess I've had to come to accept it. Like the thing is, I really enjoy some of the music as music, but I don't really like. Uh, We're talking disturbed or Simon and Garfunkel. Disturbed. No, oh, okay. I love Simon and Garfunkel. Have, uh, I thought you had gone back to talking about like the folk movement, but we're <laughs> no, still undisturbed. No, no, we're still undisturbed. Who probably played I, at CBGB's I, once? I think I feel the same way. The the antics and the ooh, I'm so crazy and I'm in a, a street jacket or whatever he would do. Like that's <laughs> dumb now. It was dumb then too, but something about it seemed more acceptable. I don't know. I, I I saw a guy playing like a gamer. And he like loved it. And I was like, you know, it does work for this context. I will have to give that, you know, like it's perfect. Like if you were playing doom to kill people or to kill monsters too. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In just, a video game, just in a, pure, in a video game. pure, un, uh, you know, unmitigated violence and excitement. <clears throat> yeah. That's good for that. Uh, it's a, it seems like really good, good stuff there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they closed on um, October 15th, 2006. We said uh, Patti Smith was there. Flea was also playing along with her, as well as uh, television uh, uh, musician Richard Hell. Oh, uh, nice. He was also how, so one of them. How did it work, though? Because like, I'm imagining like Burt's Tiki or Launchpad or whatever being like, 
an internationally famous venue, but yeah. it's still tiny. Like, I, I wonder how they well logistically did that. They kind of didn't. <laughs> I mean, they got by first for a long time because it became such a venue like that. But they, you know, they had to make logistical um, uh, logistical moves too in order to stay open. Like during the 1980s when hardcore punk was a thing, uh, they had to eventually stop having hardcore punk shows because they were just so destructive. Like the crowds were destroying all kinds of things. And, uh, and that, that's what makes some of the earlier sounds that we've heard um, so interesting is because it's from 1978, uh, this thing called Blitzkrieg Bop. Bop, mm-hmm. pop. Should we go ahead and react to some of these right now? The songs? That, so, so these are actually just sounds from the, the documentary. Sorry. About, about CBGBs and the Ramones and all that. Okay. From 1978. Gotcha. Sorry, I took a sorry, I took a turn real quick. I was like, hey, I got an idea. Gotcha. I'm with you. I'm still on the trolley. So right now we're gonna hear from uh, Hilly Crystal and Charles M. Young from Rolling Stone. Hilly Crystal, obviously the I still can't believe that's his real name. Hilly Crystal. Hilly Crystal is the founder and owner of CBGB's. He is also the Dead Boys manager. I think violence is part of you, and uh, I think when I was young, I was a little more violent than I am now. I'm only violent now if I have to be. And uh, I think it represents different violences within everybody when they're young. I think that's part of the movement. I don't like the uh, violence, but you have to bear with it if you feel there are any redeeming qualities, and I think there are in the music and part of the violence. Well, I think human beings have been acting uh, like animals for uh, for as long as uh, we've had recorded history. This and the, the difference between punk rock and every other human being is act like an animal is that, uh, is, is that the punk rockers want to explore it, and they 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 do not deny they do not deny the fact that they are animals. Uh, they they go out there and they have fun doing it. Whereas uh, someone like say Henry Kissinger would uh, would insist that he's civilized, and then we ha- uh, and and end up. So he'd rather have that than uh, that kind of violence than uh, bombing a village. Yeah, I would much prefer uh, to be in a mosh pit than to have my village bombed or to bomb someone else's village. I agree. Rather drop f bombs than bomb bombs. So this is uh, Peter Leeds, Blondie Manager, talking about rock and roll. In the late, I guess in the late 50s or the early 60s, there was a thing called a twist. And I managed a rock and roll band at that time. And my mother and all of my mother's friends hated rock and roll. Hated it. Rock and roll was the worst. Rock and roll would lead to juvenile delinquency, venereal disease, drug addiction, um, broken marriages, and the end of the uh, family institution as we've known and loved it in America. So then the twist happens, right? And people in limousines are going to a place in New York called the Peppermint Lounge. And I had a band that was playing in the Peppermint Lounge at that time with Joey D and the Starlighters, who were the headliner. And so, all of a sudden, the same people who hated rock and roll loved the twist. They all ran to the fancy department stores and bought their twist dresses and, and spent a lot of money to go to twist nightclubs. 
never once understanding, agreeing that rock and roll and the twist is exactly the same thing. Except it's rock and roll. Call the twist. I think punk rock is rock and roll. Profound stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think so, too. I agree. Who, who was that? That was the manager of Blondie? Yeah, Peter Leeds. Uh, okay. he, he was uh, Blondie, Blondie's manager. Um, so yeah, that all comes from the comes from the 70s heyday before the 1980s and then the gentrification of the 90s and the kind of struggling. So um, the two, 2005, the rent, the rent at CBGB's was $19,000 a month. Jesus. $18,000. How? <laughs> uh, Just the worst gen- negotiators ever or gen- what? Gentrification. Uh, they, 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 but they had uh, been there since 1973. They had, but they weren't. They didn't own anything. This was all a landlord dispute. And uh, in Were Elizabeth, they trying to drive them out? Or that's just what everyone was paying in the area? Uh, I Well, we know that they've been trying to drive them out for ever i mean, just trying to clean up the air can quote unquote clean up the area which is just push people out this was like uh giuliani shit right exactly his yeah. whole like cleaning up times square and all that through the that was like at this time late, late 80s and 90s and and uh yeah. and on um so uh hilly crystal eventually gets sued for 90k in back rent um that's been increasing that he hasn't acknowledged in uh, <laughs> in updates to the lease um so uh by 2006 after uh, several back and back and forth lawsuits hilly had a forty thousand dollar a month um basically had to pay in order to stay open uh what um, is is hilly short for like hilario because that was my great grandpa's name i have no hilly? i have no idea sorry i can't this uh, all i'm thinking about this entire conversation <laughs> is this guy's name you should be looking you should be looking it up so we know because i don't know i don't i never I don't even know where my phone is i know the man died in 2007 from lung cancer before being able to move the venue uh, so that was uh, he was he was actually trying to work on keeping CBG finding a new location for it yeah Bummer! Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he didn't quite didn't quite get there. Uh, so he died of lung cancer. Died of lung cancer. Yeah. So the old lady was right about rock and roll. That's what you're, that's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, a lot of promiscuity gave him lung cancer. Killed Hilly. Killed Hilly. Rock and roll killed Hilly. But man, what a rock and roll! What a rock and roll life, though. I mean, you know, it's a. Uh, you can't really compare to everything. He just like, stumbled into punk rock godliness. Kind of seems like it, yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of... He doesn't seem to be too, like, I don't want to say poetic about it. You know, it's not like something he's deeply thought about. It was just something he was participating in, making right happen. right place, right time. The day-to-day, yeah. yeah, the right place, the right time, which is kind of interesting because it's a lot of... You know, this is where punk rock started, and I don't think punk rock was a thing that like just happened in a place. It like grew tendrils from different places. It was happening in the UK and London. It was happening in New York City. It was happening in Detroit, Michigan. It was happening in Los Angeles. Like it was already something that was kind of festering. It was somebody? Everybody? There were there were groups of people everywhere that had the same idea, and they wanted to strip down, you know, rock and roll back to its roots. Um, which to me kind of 
ha- gives it a place in like folk music history a bit. There's two places in New York. There's Queens, New York, and then clearly there in the Bowery, where two types of kind of new genres of of music happened, and when a new genre seems to always be birthed by a folk movement, whether it's like acoustic guitars or you know uh, actual electric guitars or uh, two turntables and a microphone, uh-huh, like uh-huh. no matter what it is, it, it it gets birthed out of a place in time where people are creating something together with a thing and so those are the those are the two spots where i would say yeah they they continued on the the kind of folk uh, the conversation of music and, and the idea of folk music uh, I wonder, existing like i wonder how different uh history would be if uh if hilly hadn't embraced the punk kids if he had been like no nah, we're not this is a, a Nice establishment. We're not going to have that shit. So they had the place under a flop house um, where they would kind of release people from government institutions, whether prison or like mental, was, mental institutions right above. Right it was ab- above CBG. Right, literally right above. So okay. uh, it was a pretty trashed out spot. So like, it was kind of, he was going to take whatever <laughs> he could get to yeah, keep it going. Because kind of thing. the area had really catered to men who were pushed to society's edges already since right. the 1950s and, and 40s right. and uh so they, they had already had their shares of people dying in the streets and uh it had, it, you know it had already gotten the name skid row you know people knew it as like the one of the uh, probably not only just dangerous but also just kind of dilapidated and filthy as parts of new york became i was uh, gonna say through the 70s it's hard gets harder and harder these days to uh to rub elbows with that element <laughs> but as i was thinking that the i filth? thought not really i can just go to applebees <laughs> and like the bar at applebees is like fucking ex-cons and <laughs> at least in my neighborhood your neighborhood's pretty uh pretty wild it's pretty cool it's pretty great um yeah, so gentrification basically killed them. Um, they're so you want to hear how they hacked up the corpse? Oh, the corpse of the <laughs> of the venue. Of the venue. I mean, yes. it, it it made it through what like three decades of uh, four four decades of rock and roll. You know, history incredible, three. incredible for just about anything. Right? Am I doing the math right? Seventy three to 06. 33 yeah, but seeing four decades, you could sure, you could argue. okay, sure, four technically fine, four yeah, four sure. different decades. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Okay, um, you're right. Fine. <laughs> so the original, the original um, overhang, uh, you know, that says CBGBs on it and Ampog. Yeah, the uh, what's that called? The uh, I, I can't. I, I, awning. I, I, awning. That's what it's called. Like I, I said, front piece, as if it was a cod piece or something. <laughs> But uh, that now exists in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ohio, I believe. Cleveland, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that still exists. I, I, when I got there, I was really disappointed that wasn't there. I was like, oh, I guess not. They must have there. replaced it over the years, right? Because all the pictures Probably. I see, it's always like torn up and has graffiti on it and shit. Yeah, and different, uh, either black or white, you know, depending on what year, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or how destroyed. <clears throat> And what they could get, um, and and that's again just running on those like razor thin margins all the time. 
Um, it's just weird to me because by the time I even knew what it was, it must have been like 99 or 2000, right? Yeah. So I only knew the last few years of it. But it's it's just weird to me that you could like buy a CBGB Omfug shirt at Hot Topic in Albuquerque and it was still like a legitimate venue. So, so like it's just bizarre to me that it could still function when it's that well known. What happened was and and you probably didn't see that until about 07 after Hilly died um because okay. what happened is that he put the corporation under one of his under his wife's name who he no longer had a very good relationship with. Mm. But he had left all the all the things for his daughter kind of excluding his son to some degree as well and so the son and the playing favorites silly <laughs> a little bit yeah well i think he just saw who was responsible maybe and so he, mm. the the uh son and the wife uh went after it and it all it got all, it all got carved up legally somehow between them i think they got the copyright which has led to the cbgb's line of clothing where you can mm. get them at anywhere walmart target whatever completely lost gross it. i mean once upon a time you could only get a shirt there a cbgb shirt i call that bell bottoms at the gap which isn't i don't think like a historically accurate phrase yeah yeah <laughs> but you get the idea like the turning of any sort of movement into commodified nothingness that's what i mean <laughs> when i say bell bottoms at the gap uh the bathroom of cbgb's resides in the met uh art museum i believe I did read that today. Yeah. Um, so that and part of it is still there, or part of this at, part of CBG building. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Sorry, sorry. that's good. That's good. Jumping, jumping the gun. Jumping ahead there. Uh, so the bathroom still exists in some, but they moved in some it. way. I don't. I don't know if they moved it or they recreated it. I can't. Okay. I, I couldn't. They, they I probably couldn't, took the walls out. And I, I couldn't quite. Uh, I hope they did because. It, 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 the some of the grout had gotten eroded because people would just piss on the walls, you know. So the bricks would <laughs> oh, become <I> more <laughs> pronounced and uh, <laughs> just that kind of interesting. I mean, endless graffiti. Similar stickers. vibe to the bathroom at Sunshine, which is like, can we put a door on the shitter? Is it that like? <laughs> it's impossible. Just gotta shit in front of people, bro. I can't do it. Shit your pants. I could if I was like in prison or the military or whatever, I guess. Yeah. But at a show, I don't want to. The guy's washing his hands and my knee is hitting his <laughs> back of his knee while I'm sitting on the toilet. It's not conducive to taking a drop in a poo. My O ring's health. You know what I mean? I gotta be at ease in that moment. And anyway. Uh, so one of the most depressing CBGB, uh, things is CBGB lab. So if you have any, um, knowledge of the food, you know, it was pretty like basic. There was actually a kitchen in CBGB's at one point. Oh, really? Yeah. Served burgers and a very, um, questionable chili, which (laughs) became very infamous for... All kinds of spikings, dosings, and uh, otherwise. You're eating the CBGB chili, and they don't have a door on the shitter. This is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Rats running around, you know, all kinds of horrible things. People messing with it, and you know, to feed it to people. You get the Assholes. idea. So CBGB Lab, though, is a Newark Airport restaurant Ugh. lounge and bar lab. CBGB Lab. 
And yeah, it's just one of the other points where somebody just sold it for nothing to for not like for not the money wise is probably good. You can get like a Green Day Caesar wrap spiritually a, for nothing. Yeah, you yeah. get a Black Flag burger or whatever. Ugh. Ugh. Um, which kind of like you know brings me back to the neighborhood and the Bowery because um, gentr- gentrification has been a problem for a while and uh and i did want to um kind of address that because i think the history of cbgb's kind of shows the displacement of of the kind of history of manhattan um that was kind of my theme after having seen it all first the lenape were there and they were just displaced by the dutch who (laughs) built a wall and then wall street the irony is just too like thick there that is yeah right (laughs) and then um and then the bowery the bowery became a place for like freed slaves and the retired uh new amsterdam mayor lived there for a while and then you know and then the uh they kind of I don't I think they ended up kind of getting pushed out because the the land started being developed in the early 1800s into more city. The farms were no longer needed. They pushed them out. And then it and then again it dilapidated into the gangs of New York. So you might not know this off the top of your head, but Central Park Seneca Village was it left wild or did they it was probably wild it to make it a park later they rewilded it because people were okay. living there there had been freed slaves who had built houses there and were uh, living there but before oh, even, yeah, be, I've even heard this. Go on. before that it was also seneca village where the uh, indigenous tribe had been hanging out and living okay. they were actually so they wasn't were the, wild they were was... they were the ones who built most of the skyscrapers eventually because they were the only people who weren't freaked out by <laughs> walking around on beams up there i guess i don't know I'm freaked out by that. I know it freaks me out just looking at it. I don't know if the the CBGB Omfug chili makes my asshole hurt more, or the <laughs> thought of being on a beam of a skyscraper. So eventually, the Bowery falls back into dilapidation for uh, the you know the lower classes and immigrants and things like that. Again, getting uh, pushed out. But it never really bounced back in the after the late 1800s, you know, it always kind of just, it, you know, it might have revitalized a bit and then kind of slowly fell back into degradation until the 1970s until gentrification pushed everything out or pushed people out. But I found out as recently as 2018, 75 tenants were displaced in January in freezing temperatures uh, they accused the landlords of using displacement to re- to renovate into a hotel. When was this? Sorry, and they, and they went on a hunger strike. Uh, Twenty eighteen. Okay. So up until up until recently. So that's what, that's what we're gonna hear hear about right here. They have also resumed their hunger strike. They first went on a hunger protest back in February, and now they have started it again. They are camped out in front of City Hall. A dozen people on hunger strike nearly 12 hours now, and they tell me they're prepared to go without food to send a strong message. They want assurances of when they can return home, and they want it now. Bring the tenants home! Bring the tenants home! 
As the rally went on around them, a group of tenants sat huddled together on a hunger strike. Speaking through a translator, 71-year-old Zun Jin Seng says she and her 80-year-old husband just want a guarantee. Oh, I want the government to give us a day, let us uh, to go back home. Mrs. Seng is one of 75 tenants forced from their apartments at 85 Bowery back on January 18th because of unsafe conditions. Repairs were initially to take a few weeks. That deadline was pushed again and again and now mistrust runs deep. They've been told the work won't get done until August. Their entire lives are turned upside down, right? And I think also what we forget a lot of times with this displacement and evictions that's happening is the emotional and mental toll that it takes. Their landlord, Joseph Batesh, has been paying for rooms at a nearby hotel. Animosity growing further in April when tenants' belongings were thrown out. The owner claims it was by mistake. But while this began as the tenants claim Batesh is dragging out repairs to push them out to turn the units into market rate, the tenants now say the de Blasio administration let them down and City Hall is trying to make their protest even more difficult. Also, may office uh, interrupt them, you know, start not allow us to use the port party I will strike to the end. Tonight, this became more than the displaced residents of 85 Bowery. It grew into a rally for tenants' rights citywide. Some are here fasting in solidarity. And I think Mayor de Blasio is doing a disservice to our community by forgetting us and by going by protecting the developers like Betesh. The landlord in the city, Telpix 11, the timeline has grown because the scope of the work has grown. Now a complex project involving replacement of the main staircase and rotting floor joists, also asbestos removal. Department of Building Engineers are monitoring the work of the landlord's contractor. Shifty ass landlords, man. I know, I know. Those well, fucks. And this is in the same area. They said it was 80 something. Yeah, so 80, it's like 80, two 80, blocks away. 83, 85. Yeah, yeah so it's, a, I mean, it's, you know. The Bowery runs kind of a long, a long area. Um, uh, runs I say? north 1.25 miles north of south. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, so it's still it's still going on. The displacement has, hasn't stopped since. Uh, well, they got to finish what they since, started since 1626 when the Dutch first, or 1624 when they first arrived. They got to make it great again or whatever. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you tell the story of CBGBs without telling the story of the place it comes it's, from. Uh, seems like a microcosm. Yeah, of the, and, and the uh, whole story. And somehow, one of the you know dirtiest, saddest, filthiest places became a thing that's now in a couple museums <laughs> and an airport. So I read today. Uh, so I guess when you went there, it was, it's a clothing store. Yeah, currently the building where it used to reside is a clothing store, which uh, you know it, it it speaks to what things have become. But like, I guess I at least can have respect for the person who's willing to give it reverence and let the pieces that exist still exist. So I read today that it's no longer going to be a clothing store oh, and that it's going to be an art gallery. Oh, that's So insane. that's good news. And it's, uh, I am the worst art history student ever and I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Um, but it's the son of a famous painter whose name I don't remember okay. who's running the gallery. Interesting. So, and yeah. they're they're also gonna uh, uh, like 
whatever like sticker wall or whatever that was still there in the clothing store they're going to preserve in the gallery as yeah, well i hope so i mean all that stuff is so amazing to see uh yeah currently a clothing store where you can get you know some expensive you know but one of a kind gear i'll give it that much I try and go. I try and go easy on them because ideologically, I agree with them about trying to preserve the space. Even if, I mean, if you have the chance to like rent it, why wouldn't you? You know, if you have the chance to like not destroy it, why wouldn't you? Sure. And they had to replace the floor. The floor was destroyed. It's better than it becoming like a subway or something. Or just getting knocked down. Yeah, knocked down altogether right. and just rebuilding something horrifying like that. An Applebee's. Friday. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, every, Although I'm telling you, there's hard motherfuckers at that bar. Everything everything that uh, uh, the uh, what's the Times Square has become. Right, right, right. Vegas. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it was interesting to kind of look at all that and and yeah, just because I, I, again, like to look through it through the long lens of history. Because when I learned about, you know, like, it, it wasn't just called Seneca Village. Like, um, vulgarly, it was referred to as N-Word Town, uh, Central Park was. Wow. Yeah. Always That's always coming uh, through with that great, nice, you know. Ain't that America. <laughs> ain't, it's such a nice thing. And in yeah. fact, even now, they're still excavating parts of Central Park and finding... Uh, fine china and other stuff that the people who live there used to have. They so, just bulldozed it to. Yeah, to, they brought the rocks in. They didn't even exist there. They brought those in. <laughs> you gotta give the rich somewhere to play, or else they get restless. They can't live in their habitats of richness for very long. They terraformed that shit. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but uh, there we go. Word. Yeah. That episode was punk rock as fuck. <laughs> Displacement. Always fight for your place. And that's what people have been doing in that area for, I guess, a long time now. But uh, mostly the downtrodden. So, uh, I, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have an update for the um, tenants who were kicked out. I couldn't find anything new. But it didn't turn out great for him. Seems like bad guys, you know, always win. Always win recently, yeah. Who knows what happened after COVID hit? That was less than two years before. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get out of here, you got any wrecks? Wrecks. Uh, do I have any wrecks? Uh, I think I mentioned the Orioles. It came out today. Hot actually. shit. Did you listen uh, to it? I have been listening to it. Does yes. it rock? It's amazing. Are your socks off of uh, your feet? They actually blew They've been through. Off. Yeah, they blew through the front of my shoes. It Hot was kind damn. of not cool because I like those shoes, but mm-hmm. you know, price of rock and roll, yeah, baby. Yeah, price of rock and roll. We can't help it. There's nothing you can do about it. How about you? You got anything to recommend? Yeah, so I'm still playing Mass Effect Three. Uh, for a couple days, I got kind of burnt out on it, and I started playing. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Nino Kuni. Wrath of the White Witch, which is an RPG um, with artwork by Studio Ghibli. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm surprised you haven't heard about this. I don't. Maybe because you have PlayStation, right? Uh, I don't know if it exists. I think it does. I think it's on all the. I don't, consoles. Even, I don't even have a new. I don't even have a PlayStation Four. Well, like I, I believe this game originally came out on like PS3 or something. Oh, okay. So I'm playing like a remastered version that they just put Sweet. on Xbox Game Pass, right? 
Um, but it's pretty fun. Uh, it's got like kind of a unique battle system. It's kind of a, a Pokemon or the Shin Megami Tensei vibe where you have like a, a stable of monsters that fight for you. Yeah. Um, but it, it uh, works like in real time. So like you give them commands and they fight, but you can also move them. And as they hurt enemies, they'll shit out little power ups and you can grab them if you can get to them in the right rhythm of the fight it's unique it's fun Interesting. just enough action yeah and it's got all the rpg elements you gotta level up and get your gear and put fun. your swords and your armor on all your little guys so i recommend that game i think you'd like it if i don't know you play rpgs they can be tedious sometimes but. yeah like uh, final fantasy right yeah it's it's that that kind of thing uh yeah that's those are my wrecks i don't i think that's all i got yeah, I wish I, I, oh, I had something else. I do have one more rec. Go for it. Um, I listened to a podcast called Garbage Brain University. Yeah. Um, you might be familiar with an internet comic called Toothpaste for Dinner. Uh, Vaguely. Uh, by Drew Toothpaste. Uh, his wife, Natalie D., has a comic uh, that bears her name. And then they do one together called Married to the Sea. <laughs> <laughs> where they take like old timey like clip art and like etchings and shit and then like write captions and like speech bubbles for them that are funny <laughs> anyway they have a podcast that's kind of was kind of inspiration for our new uh format where we do a different subject yeah because that's what they do they just do it. anyway um they have a uh a bonus patreon or whatever not patreon but just bonus thing i pay i've paid them five bucks and they have a podcast that you can get for five bucks and it's called whoa everything is real (laughs) and it's about the nature of reality yeah and it's fucking awesome so i recommend that if you want to pay five bucks and even if you don't just listen to their regular garbage brain university podcast and those are really good um i do have one mainstream wreck which i thought was pretty good uh well okay uh to be fair i didn't see the whole thing but the first part that i did see made me want to sit through the rest of it again even the whole thing over again uh which was surprisingly hocus pocus 2 hocus pocus 2 is this a new yeah it just came out i guess at the beginning of the month Okay, because um, the first one came out in like 1991 or some shit. Yeah, right? yeah. Okay. It's a it's a lot older movie. Uh, is it all the same years. actors? Um, it as far as the witches go, yeah, the Sanderson sisters. What was that Bette Midler? She's in that. Is yeah, that who that is? Yeah, Bette Midler, okay. Sarah Jessica Parker, and oh, Nancy or not Nancy, uh, the Jimmy. What's her first name? I can't I remember know. her first name. Oh no. Uh, but yeah, they. Uh, What's fun about it is they start out with the Sanderson sisters as kids, and the kids who play them are fantastic. And uh, and uh, Tony Hale, uh, Buster Bluth, nice is is not only the Reverend in the beginning of the movie, but also the mayor later on in the movie. Sweet, perfect. I mean, just the man is a grown child, and he just fits the thing. So it sounded like it might have been a script that was written after the first one was done. You know. Um, and it just got sat on for 30 years and it just got sat on for 30 years. They didn't quote because the first one was not a success at all in the theaters. Yeah. Um, and, uh, 
I, I they just felt like they had a lot of the same like tone and the same kind of type of humor as the first like the first one everybody's like oh my god you can't you can't reboot that and i'm like it's not citizen kane man okay first of all uh <laughs> even they, have they not remade citizen kane well, they, yet? they made a sequel to 2001 called 2010 and it wasn't that great but that was based on the book sequel <laughs> i guess <laughs> i mean it, it made sense like you know logically but it just wasn't wasn't good no it wasn't, that didn't have uh what's his name rob from schneider. sequest rob schneider no not schneider. rob schneider not is rob that schneider. his name no rod rod schneider rod, rod schneider? that's not right something like that yeah jim jim he looks like a jim i don't jim think that's schneider. right either <laughs> let, us, let us know what the fuck that guy's name is <laughs> but uh uh yeah so i uh, you know like uh one of the fun silly things is that like they have the teacher teachers and faculty dressed up as like something ridiculous in the first one you know and so that's kind of the humor is the visual aspect of that and that kind of like makes its show back you know as someone who's like a latter day hocus pocus person like i wasn't into it when i was younger i, I don't even care. know if i've seen is that the one where they turn the kids into rats or is that a different one no no that's witches with, okay uh, that's, with, the, uh, that's what i've Angelica been thinking Houston. that one's time. amazing okay. uh i don't jim, even think i've seen hocus pocus jim, jim henson worked on that one you have to do a double feature am i gonna like this or do i have to have a small child to care about it no i think if you get stoned and just like I mean, enjoy I'm obviously gonna get stoned enjoy some good halloween stuff like uh i think you'd I, th- I think you'd enjoy the first one at least the second one's kind of like hey it's just kind of it's like the first one and i love it whatever like i, I don't know I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it as somebody who is again latter day didn't grow up with it i was already aged out by the time it was like right. a thing so so that's even more of a glowing review because usually you're colored by uh by nostalgia when yeah. you're talking about an old thing and if it's good and you didn't have nostalgia then yeah. that probably means it's really good right? well i just i just thought it followed along the lines of the first one really well like as far as like the type of humor and the characters and that there was some like logic to it and that you know it just it had a good like interesting flow of thing it, it was pretty solid just you know on its on its own merits so Bitchin'. you know you know it's 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 not gonna be the same as the first everybody's older so they're not as like you know what their energy's not gonna be the same but uh overall i i, I i'm, I'm kind of stoked to watch it again so does bet midler sing anything from rochelle rochelle the musical in it no she no, sings she does one better uh with with pat benatar you know i didn't even talk about new wave this whole CBGB's thing. There's a lot to cover. Yeah, there was some new wave in there, but I'm a punk rocker. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's get the fuck up out of here. Uh, we do this every week. You can check us out at anchor.fm slash the problem with everything. Yes. Search for us, the problem with everything podcast. Uh, I've been Holiday Rob. You can check me out every week on twitch.tv slash Holiday Rob. Also, Patreon, uh, TikTok at Holiday Rob, not Holiday Rob on Twitter. It's not me, though. Um, I'm Loki Sapfoot. Find my uh, vintage tweets. Tweets from yesteryear. No new tweets, only old tweets. At Sapfoot on Twitter. I'm not, I don't use that shit. Everything old is new. <laughs> right. Uh, you can uh, find all my shit, Linktree, linktr.ee slash Sapfoot. I can't believe I just remembered that address off the top of my head. Yeah. That's, uh, that's impressive. Listen to Nive, G N Y V E. Uh, do all the stuff follow us on your your podcast app that shit will show up every week and then you listen to it you touch yourself or whatever it is you do while you listen and uh, yeah we'll see you next week right yeah.
that's it. Get out of here. Get out of here. What's the matter with you? What are you still doing here? I'm, I'm walking here. Hey. Oh.